Um, but welcome to our, our Vision Sunday, and it's great to see so many of you uh, here with us this morning. And what we really wanted to share was uh, what God has put on our heart, what we've seen in the church, and everything that really is within us in terms of what we feel God has called us to do. And I'm really going to talk a little bit about the why, and Libby's going to talk more about the what in terms of what we see. And what I wanted to share this morning was that I got saved in a church like this. And when I say saved, I mean I, I met Jesus and I had my heart transformed, my life transformed in a community much like this. And when I was growing up, we had, uh, I, I always refer to it as a diverse upbringing. I'm one of seven. Uh, we had a busy household. Uh, and I spent most of my time living between my mum's house and my dad's house. It would be dads at weekends uh, and mums in the week. And uh, we didn't always have the most uh, advantageous start to life. And what we found was, as I was living between two worlds, really, I, would, I had a set of friends down at my dad's house, and I had a set of friends uh, who were my school friends at my mum's house. And I was reflecting this week on where my childhood friends are at and the different ways in which our lives have played out, if you like. And sadly, I've got two friends that passed away in their teen years, and uh, some of that was related to a very, very poor upbringing. One became a, a, a drug dealer. Uh, and that was what he felt was going to be lucrative for his life. That was kind of his ambition in an odd way because of the context that we grew up in. And it was very easy for me to go along with him and almost get dragged into those things. And thank God that I didn't because I was connected to a church. And I had people speaking a different narrative into my life. I had people speaking hope and life and purpose. But I was still friends with these people growing up. And uh, another friend, he became an alcoholic and had a very rough upbringing, similar to mine, but a little more intense, if you like. Another friend, uh, I don't speak to him anymore because he doesn't live in this country. He, he got disillusioned with uh, politics and found himself in a very different world and uh, a dangerous place, living halfway around the world. And again, reflecting over, like, how did our lives turn out so differently? We used to play together. We used to spend quality time together. I laugh with these people, cry with these people. And the only difference I can put it down to is the fact that I had the opportunity to accept or reject Jesus. I had the opportunity to be a part of a, a family that would bring me to a person that could transform my heart. And I used to share my faith with my friends, even though I would be going along and uh, misbehaving. I'll just leave it there. Uh, I would be misbehaving with my friends. I'm aware my mum could also watch this. And again, I don't want to share too many stories that she's not yet aware of. Um, <laughs> one day. It was very hard for me to reconcile my two worlds because I had this pull towards what I knew was good and righteous and what Jesus was doing in my life, but I also had this pull of living in the context that we lived in, and it tore me apart through my years in many ways, emotionally and spiritually. And what I found was that my, my heart was pulled more and more to what God was doing in my life, the way he was shaping me, the way he was transforming me. But it wasn't just those things he was doing inside of me. It was the people that we were connected to. It was the church being a family. It was the church being a foundation, a point of stability, a, a place in which I found love and reconciliation. And it actually happened over 10 years. It wasn't an instant thing for me. But over 10 years, what I found was the trajectory of my life was being transformed because of Jesus and because of the people whose lives had uh, Jesus working in them. 
And that's really where I wanted to begin this morning, that actually we see people all the time coming to church, and we all come for different reasons. Maybe you were brought along, maybe it's something you've been raised with, maybe you're exploring faith for the first time, and our heart and our prayer is always that you would meet Jesus in the place of transformation, because that is why we exist, that we are the church to bring Jesus to the world. That is the great challenge that we're given for those of us that call ourselves Christians here this morning, that you and I exist to give people their first and next encounter with Jesus. And that is what God called me to do when he brought me to a place of reconciliation in terms of my relationship with him. When he transformed my heart and life, I realized that I was ruined for anything else other than to help people know Jesus and to help people know Jesus better. And so when we prayed and we found ourselves here in Sutton and we discovered that our vision tagline for this church has been to give people their first and next encounter with Jesus, my heart leapt inside. And God began to speak that actually this is what we are given over to. This is what we as the church are given over to. And I think sometimes we can lose sight of that as Christians, can't we? We can forget why we're doing what we're doing, what we exist for, but that is our purpose. And the more we spoke with Jason and Bev, the more we went through the interview process and shared our heart, we realized that what we're doing here as a church is not a tearing up of the old, it's not dismissing everything that's gone before, but it's standing on the shoulders of giants. Right? It, it, it's rebuilding and, and building further on those foundations, those glorious years that have gone by, but actually to, to see the church emerge in such a way that we, we put the front foot, we put the foot on the pedal, if you like, in terms of reaching the, the least, the lost, the near, and the far off in Sutton, that you and I are to be Jesus, to people like me in my childhood, but also to people in various contexts right across the borough of Sutton. And the church that we see is one that is vibrant. I love the way in which we come together on a Sunday morning, and hopefully you get this, that as we worship together, there's a sense of vibrancy and intimacy with Jesus. That as we come together, our our children go out and they're ministered to, and it's not a, a caretaking area of the church. They're having their time with the Lord, and they're growing in their faith, and they're being added to, arguably one of the most influential points of our church, by the way. Our young people are doing the same right now. They're being built up in the faith. And we come together to encourage one another, to share words of hope and life and faith, to open the scriptures together and allow Jesus to shape our hearts. Those things are beautiful and vibrant. And this is what we do on a Sunday. But we do that for a reason. We do that to be built up so that we can be sent out. We do that so that we can be edified in our faith, so that we can share the amazing things that are happening in our lives. And if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me this morning to Matthew 18. And if you haven't, it's okay. The word's going to come up on screen. And this is what it says in Matthew 18. This is the heart of really what Jesus came for. He says this, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. Some children had interrupted a meeting and People were getting a bit frustrated. And he says this, For I tell you that the angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go and look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should perish. Now, it's it's a verse, if you've been in church for any number of years, you've probably read that a hundred times. And you do realize that we are the 99, but 
Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That actually everything that we do as a church, everything that we do as a people coming together is built around this idea that we are not here for ourselves, but we're here for others. And I always used to say this phrase in church, that the church is about everybody else but you. And it's a weird thing to say, but if we all carry that heart and we all carry that mentality, that means everybody's covered, right? It means that everybody's considered. It means that everybody has somebody considering and caring for those. And what we've discovered in our five months, really, we started back end of April and being here is listening to the heartbeat of people in our church, of connecting and coffee's going over dinner is to hear and understand what God is doing in your life, what God is doing in our life, and then understand what is God doing in the life of our church. And the word he laid on our hearts was to discover those things, to discover and uncover and draw those things out that we might be the church that goes to discover the lost. And we recognize that the church is the family of God. It's a collection of Christ followers brought together to be built up, sent out, and to give people that first and next encounter with Jesus. And that takes shape in a particular way. And Libby, years ago, you'd spent time praying over the church that you see. And what I want to say is that we, we start with that why, that this is why we exist. It is for the least, for the lost, for the near and the far off, but there's a shape in which the church begins to take. As we gather together, as we mobilize, we become the hands and feet of the church. And Libby had on her heart the church that she sees. Absolutely. So I really believe that um, God is often weaving something together before we're even aware of it. Um, And in 2016, when I was at Bible College, before I'd met Julian, before I'd heard of Sutton, um, I wrote down a description that I believe um, and was and still is a God-given dream of a church. Um, And this is what I wrote. I dream of a vibrant church, one which is a place of safety and healing for broken people, a welcoming community where everyone can find a sense of belonging, a place where people can encounter Jesus. Discipleship is key. It's a place where people can learn and grow, a place where relationship with Jesus can be pursued, true intimacy, a place where spiritual mums and dads support and mentor younger believers, a place of sending out as well as bringing in, a missional community engaged in short and long-term missional activities, but a place and a community who are as missional at work on a Monday as they would be on a week-long mission abroad. A community totally devoted to Jesus, demonstrating the love of Jesus to the broken world in which we live. I dream of a church living by faith, being a voice of hope and being known by love. I believe that the church I dreamt of in 2016, the, the vision that I believe God gave me then, before I'd even heard of Sutton, is our Vineyard Church today. So many of these values already exist. When we first came into Sutton and came into Sutton Vineyard, we, we felt the welcoming community um, and you guys welcomed us in with open arms. And we're so excited to see these grow and develop in the life of our church and community. The dream that we have about what church should be is already in existence, but it has room to grow as well. And it's exciting, really, as we mobilize the church, what we're looking for is to be the engaged disciples of Jesus. It's very easy, I think, in some ways to to draw a crowd, and it's always important to gather people. 
But actually what we're interested in is building the kind of church where we take our faith seriously. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Like If you've known us for any length of time, you'll know that's definitely true. Uh, But what we want to do is say, actually, Jesus is able to transform our hearts and lives. But it's not just for the sake of us being transformed. It's so that we might carry something. We might be known for the church that has something to say in our borough. We might be known for the church that loves people in a radical way. We might be known for the church that draws people in that other people would maybe pass over and cast aside. Yesterday we were uh, traveling through London, which is a great thing to do when it's 30 odd degrees. Um, And we took the tube, which again was probably not the best choice. And so, you know, we were on the Northern Line and uh, we were on the way back. Yeah, thank you. Everyone knows there's some... There's some real empathy around pain there. Not known for its air conditioning, not known for its breeze. And, you know, it, we're hot and bothered. And we're, we're on this train, and there's probably about, I don't know, 20 people in the cart. Uh, and this guy gets on who's got uh, some coins begging. He's, he's really rough. He's got a backpack on. And he does this speech, and he's clearly doing this speech from cart to cart. And he's just talking about how um, any help he can get, any support, if you can give him money or give him food, anything, that life is really rough for him and it's really hard. And the truth is that we didn't have anything on us. All we had was a contactless phone. We didn't have any food to give him because we would probably have given him some food. And our philosophy is generally we don't give out cash to people, but we would go and buy them something. But pretty hard to do on the Northern Line. There's no trolley cart coming around. And he's just going from car to car. And it's really a desperate situation. You think, well, how can we help people like that? How can we reach people like that? But actually what happens is most people ignore him. And he just carries on. And there was a bit of irony where the couple across from us, as he got off the cart, pulled out a pack of biscuits and started nibbling on these biscuits. And I just thought it was really interesting. If I had the biscuits, again, no judgment, because I don't know what people think about people that go from car to car like this, but there was an opportunity where if we have something, we ought to give it over. And it was like this awkward, ironic moment of, you've got something that could have nourished the guy. Okay, you don't know his situation, but maybe what we have is something that could help him. And we're not to decide how he's to use those things. We're not to decide what the outcome of his life will be. But actually, if we have something good, surely we want to share that. And it's not to feel bad. It's not to feel condemned about these things. It's just to recognize that if the Lord is working in your heart, if he's working in my life and your life, and we're being transformed, that we have something good. We have something powerful, but it's not just for us. It's to pass out to the world around us. It's to hand that on. It's to help people share in the joy that we have. And so our question really is, what shape will our church take? Well, it's one where we start to open the doors as wide as possible. And it's not that we're not doing those things. It's that we widen the doors even further, that we take the vibrancy that we have as a church. We take the glorious joy of knowing Jesus. We take the peace that we carry and we bring that to a lost, broken and hurting world around us. And that happens at many levels. You know, there's people who are obviously in need of support that we're called to support. There's people who are obviously in a place where they're feeling lost, but there's people where it's not so obvious. There's people in your life that you're connected to that we'll never meet. There's people that you work with on a daily basis that will only ever come into contact with one Christian, and that one Christian might be you. You might be the only person that brings Jesus to them. And in this season, what we've heard from a lot of people in our church is that they're excited and there's the shift taking place in their lives in terms of what God is doing. They recognize they're coming into a new season where they're discovering that God is doing something new and unique. And the question is this really, as we begin to outwork this, how do we accelerate being the church that reaches our local area? How do we accelerate being the church that reaches out to our neighbor? We've got a great foundation as a church. 
Uh, we've taken time to take stock and see all of the wonderful things that happen. We've taken time to listen to people. And what we see is a solid, firm foundation. We see a great place to build the good work of what God is doing. And the reality is it takes more than just us. And it takes more than just the people that you maybe see uh, ministering on Sundays. It takes more than people who are employed by the church. It takes more than the people who are just serving in, in, in the kind of unseen moments. It takes all of us doing something to reach the lost, to reach the near, to reach the far, to reach the broken, to reach the hurting. And to be Jesus' people, we have to do Jesus' things, right? If you've got a Bible, would you turn with me to Luke 14? And there's this beautiful parable where Jesus really brings in a sense of what it is to live out the kingdom of God, what it is to be uh, the church here on earth. And Luke 14 says this, when, verse 15, when one of those at the table uh, with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. They're sat in the Pharisee's house and they're having loads of food together uh, and someone's trying to score points with Jesus. And Jesus replied and says this, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see to it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. Common party excuse. And I'm on my way to try them out. <laughs> I can't even imagine what that would look like. Uh, please, please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Uh, verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant uh, to go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of the, those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. And there's this sense in which, in, in the great story of God's redemption of humanity, that he has, over the centuries, poured himself out in so many ways that we might be a light in a dark place. And this parable is one where we're having a feast. You and I spiritually have a feast. We come together to celebrate. We come together to be built up in our faith. And it's like we're at a great banquet. But we have to understand that the feast is not a private party. The table is not exclusive. The table is not for only the chosen. But actually, it is a place where we're drawing people in all the time. And the challenge Jesus gives us is to go out into the highways and the byways, to go out into the streets, to reach the poor, the blind, the lame, and the crippled. But it's not just that. There's room for more than the obvious things we ought to be doing. There's room for every person that is far off. And the picture is this, that they get to share in the feast. They get to eat at the table. They get to be nourished in the way that you and I get nourished. And in my humble opinion, we have a powerful and vibrant and beautiful church. I'm really talking about you. So this is a compliment. Not only are you beautiful, but you are vibrant as well in your faith. The, the heart of our people is incredible. What God can do with a handful of people is powerful. We could be known as the church in our borough. We can have a reputation, not just within Christian circles, but within our wider society. 
as those that are here as a place of hope, as those that are here for a, a, a place where people experience the love of God, uh, those that can come here with no strings attached and receive the support and care that they need. But also those that are seemingly doing well and seemingly successful in life can also find Jesus and in finding Jesus, find purpose and find hope in all things. And this year we've seen a, a period of change. We've arrived. It's been a huge change for us. And what we want to do is we want to galvanize all of the good things that we've got here. What we want to do is close the gaps uh, in our fina- uh, financial foundation. We're just going to share about that in a second. But while we've got incredible things that run, we, we have a, a space which I'm told is one of the largest meeting halls uh, in Sutton. Like, there's no school hall that's as big as this, if you can believe that. that actually, we're quite blessed to be where we are. We're quite blessed to meet in this space. We have a, a wonderful building called Staten House. Who's visited Staten House before? So some of you will know this space that we have, and we run a variety of things from that place. It's a home to our offices, and we also have an incredible building called the Dolphin. Have you visited our Dolphin building? amazing initiatives that run out of there. We run things like Lighthouse and Wendy House and Warm Welcome, and we play host to a variety of initiatives in the city. There's churches that use our spaces to meet, and it's incredible that not just what we're doing as a church, but what other churches are doing are making an impact for the kingdom of God. And you and I get to share in their joy. Their success is our success, and hopefully they'll see any success that we see in extending the kingdom of God as their success too. But actually, to keep doing those things, we need to close some financial gaps. And here's the thing we'd just love to lay before uh, the church this morning. If you could put that slide up of the first finances, what we want to do is just show you how we use our resources as a church, how we uh, break it down generally year to year on a budget. We spend about 51p, if it was all put in an example as a one pound coin, 51p is spent on staffing costs, 15p on ministries, four pence on administration, uh, 20p on buildings and 10p on gifts. And one of the things I've said to, to our teams as well is that as we look at that as a breakdown of our finances, what we really see is all of that is ministry. All of that is to go towards seeing the church built up. All of that is to go towards our our focus of taking Jesus to the lost. And the next slide, what we want to do is just show you uh, what it's been like from year to year uh, on our average uh, monthly giving. 31,000 back pre-COVID or during COVID in uh, the year 2019-2020. And what we saw was a weird couple of years with COVID. Uh, And again, I won't mention that more than once during this morning. Um, but as we came out of that, uh, on average, we were giving £30,000 uh, in 2022, uh, 21 to 22, and then 22 to 23, 30.7. Uh, and then in uh, 23 to 24, we're looking at a dip of 28000 uh, And what we want to say really is that we, what we're seeing as a church as we continue to build, as we continue to go, is that we have a, fi- a financial gap that's opening up a little bit. And this slide just highlights it. At the moment, um, our average... Um, expenses on a month are 27500 To keep doing what we're doing, to keep being the church that we've just talked about, to keep everything happening and to exist in this space and to, to carry on doing what God has called us to do, we require £30,000 a month. So that's a £2,500 shortfall. That's our financial gap at the moment. And there's only so long we can run in that. But actually, if we close that financial gap, what we're saying is that we can build on a firm foundation. But it's not just closing the gap. Our desired for our next budget is to get our giving to £32,000. So that's a £4,500 gap that we have. 
And what that enables to do is not just keep going, not just carry on doing what we're doing, but it enables to put wind in the sails in terms of what God has laid in our heart to do. It enables us to look at our community initiatives. It enables us to look at our outreach and start to invest and allocate finances to build those things up. It enables to look at every area of the church that is already vibrant, that is already strong, and not only give it a sense of it can keep going, but actually we can start dreaming and discovering what God has put on our heart for this coming year as we look to the next 10 years, as we start to reach out in new ways, as we start to reach out into our wider community, as we start to reach out, um, I don't know if I can say this publicly, with our, with our politicians, our, our local influencers, with our councillors, that actually we are the church that have something to say to society. That we're not just here to do our thing on a Sunday, but we're here to be an influence. We're here to impact the world around us. We're here to bring people to Jesus. But whether they come to Jesus or not, we're called to be a light. We're called to shine bright. We're called, I'm not, not meaning those to rhyme, we're called to have an impact in Sutton. It's preacher's habit. It just spills out. And so what we wanted to do was just highlight those gaps, but we wanted you to maybe pray for those of you that have been with us for a while, but you're deciding, you know, I want to know what the heartbeat of the church is. I want to know where you sit. I want to know if I'm uh, going to jump in with both feet. And it could be as simple as this, that maybe you're one of 50 people who could give 50 pound more. Maybe you're one of 25 who might consider giving 100 pound a month. And what you're saying is that actually I'm not just here with my time. I'm not just here uh, in heart. I'm not just here on a Sundays, but actually I want to build the church with these people. Not just with these people, but with these people. That actually we start to lay the foundation. We start to close those gaps. And we start to say, actually, we can see that the church is going to be a light in a dark place. We can see that it's not going to be a quiet person sitting in the corner in the realm of our society. But actually we want to live out all that Jesus has put in us. We want to be a great example. The Bible says in Matthew 5, the guys don't have a slide for this, that let your light shine so that all people might see it and give glory to your Father in heaven. That is the call for you and I, that as we're built up in our faith, it's not something we hide, but it's something that spills over. And so our, our question is really the same one that the Apostle Paul would have to the disciples, and it's this, decide in your heart, pray about it, and consider Actually, am I one of the 25? Am I one of the 50 that can just help close these gaps, put wind in the sail as we begin to uncover the great potential? And what we found is that each one of us in this room is starting to discover a dream that God has put in our hearts. Things that aren't yet taking place, things that are yet to happen. Areas in society that aren't being met. There are quite a few gaps in the wider picture of our borough. Many of which we can't go into this morning, but you and I or called to bring Jesus into those areas. Some of you are working in high-level jobs, and actually you're called to bring Jesus into those areas. Some of you are connected to people who look like they've got it all together on the surface, but underneath, they're lost. And so you and I are called to reach the least of the lost, the near, and the far off. The least, that feels quite obvious, doesn't it? It's those who obviously don't look like they've got much, doesn't look like they've got much hope. And we can walk past people in the street that look like they're in a rough situation. That, those people that aren't able to contend for themselves, those people that have no advocate to speak for them. And we're called for them. That's the least. We're called for the lost, those that they just don't know what life's about. They're missing the bigger picture. They have no sense of purpose. We're called to bring hope into their lives. The near... 
It's not always obvious, but actually it's those that we're journeying with on a daily basis. It's those that we're connected to in our families, in our workplace, those that we bump into all the time. And they're right on the edge, they're right on the cusp, but the light that you have in your life in knowing Jesus is an influence on them. We're called for them. And the far off, those that we're yet to discover. And this is where this word discovery comes in, that we need to discover what God has put in our heart. We need to discover the dreams inside of your hearts. We don't want to make assumptions about those. We need to discover undiscovered disciples in our borough. We're here to bring people to a place where they can accept or reject Jesus. In doing so, they can become the disciples of Christ. They can share in the joy that we have. Uh, and Libby's going to help us understand how we can begin that process as we're here for a time to do what God is doing right now and pay attention to what the Lord is stirring in our heart. As I've been pondering um, and reflecting on the vision that I believe God is laying before us for this next season, um, I felt particularly drawn to the story of Esther. Um, And the verse in Esther that I have felt particularly drawn to is 4.14, where it says this, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you've come to your royal position for such a time as this. The story of Esther for me uh, is a really powerful one that I think it draws a bit of a parallel to us in terms of living a calling or purpose in a specific context at a specific time. I couldn't help but see similarities in our path as a, both personally and as a church as we embark on this next chapter together. Our church has a purpose and has been positioned by God for over 25 years already so far for such a time as this. The things that God is birthing in us for this season, both corporately as a church and individually in each of your hearts, isn't new to God. He's known what those things will be. But in this time, in 2023 and beyond, this verse reminds me that we have a purpose and can make a real difference in the lives of each other and our community. And we can see the kingdom of God extended here in Sutton. Esther was a young Jewish woman who found herself in a unique position of influence and authority when she became queen. But this wasn't a coincidence. It was part of God's divine plan. Esther was courageous and willing. Will we be courageous and willing? Churches like us have a specific calling within our communities. Just as Esther's destiny was intrinsically woven into the salvation of her people, this church has a unique role to play. Um, in, our, in our, each other's lives and in the broader community that we serve. Will we be a, ki- a, a church willing to listen to what God's saying, to listen to the whispers of God? The journey of Sutton Vineyard, like Esther's, might not always be straightforward. It might not always be without challenges. But, but Esther risked incredible things to fulfill her purpose. It's in the moments of obstacles and uncertainties that our faith is strengthened. In this next chapter of Sutton Vineyard's journey, it's really important that we see God's guidance for what that looks like and be open to his direction. We need to listen to the needs of our community, listen to the needs of each other, understand the gifts and talents that we have within our church, within each of us personally, and understand what that divine call is and respond to it with courage and conviction. We know that God has brought us together for an exciting purpose for such a time as this. I'm challenged as I read Esther's story that as we embrace this God-given calling 
and act in faith in this season. We become instruments of his purpose, bringing about transformation and offering salvation to those we serve. So as we step into this new chapter together, as we dream the impossible, to believe that our purpose is woven into the tapestry of God's greater plan for Sutton, what does that look like? We particularly see this playing out in three spheres over the coming years, in discovering what the fit and purpose of each of us personally is, the fit and purpose for SVC, and our going to all the world for such a time as this too. I really don't have enough time to cover this in a lot of detail right now, um, but we'll be unpicking this in more detail over the next few months. You'll hear a lot from us about this. But we're so excited, and we really hope that you join us on this journey. The first being discovering your fit and purpose for such a time as this. There is a unique role for each of us to play. We want to spend time this year uncovering how we can grow more in our faith and discover how we can find what our, our role is for this time. As we uncover a picture of a preferred future for SVC, for Sutton Vineyard, in this next chapter, we need to uncover and discover what our own puzzle piece looks like and how we can grow how when we grow closer to Jesus, that picture on that puzzle piece becomes clearer. Many of our events and ministries over the coming months, including our men's and women's ministry, will be focusing on this. Our small groups will dive deeper um, into the things being shared on a Sunday and our prayer and prophecy events, the lifeblood of the church, an important part of who we are, um, are a great opportunity to spend time listening to the Holy Spirit. The second is discovering Sutton Vineyard's fit and purpose for such a time as this. What could church look like as we begin to dream about the future? Julian's already shared so many of the incredible things happening here as a church. But what does it look like to explore what it means to reach further, to reach the least, the lost, the near and the far off? What it looks like now and what, it, what works today is different to what would have worked 10 years ago. So we want to spend some time discovering, developing, and dreaming together. There are two key things that we're going to be implementing that will feed into that. The first is discovery prayer. This week, we have some great prayer events. That if you're not signed up, we'd love for you to do that. You can do that in the app. Um, but we'll be listening to God um, for the next chapter of Sutton Vineyard. There's also the family prayer event on Friday, which I'd really encourage you to be a part of. Our young people, our children, our teenagers have something to say. They, have, they, they can hear the voice of God too, and we want to create a space for them to do that. The second um, is discovery groups. We'll be launching several focus groups after Christmas. More information will come out about those. But we want to prayerfully and practically evaluate where we're at now and where God is leading us in different areas of the church. They might, these groups might not be for everyone, but they'll be focusing on specific areas such as compassion, worship, prayer, specifically for people who lead or feel stirred, called to action in these areas. And the, the third is discovering Sutton Vineyards go into all the world for such a time as this. We already have so many fantastic relationships locally, nationally and globally. And we want to spend some time discovering how these can grow and we can be an even brighter light in dark places. That's looking at locally in Sutton, the things we already do, our partnerships with local churches, Sutton Community Works um, and Sutton Schools Works. Nationally, what does it look like for our church to see more people hear about Jesus in the UK and go global? 
We already know that here at Sutton Vineyard, we have connections with South Africa, um, with Denzel, with Aslan. Um, interestingly, we also have some friends who have worked with Denzel, um, who are missionaries out in South Africa too. Um, and we're just really excited to see how that grows and develops. You want to tell the story? So uh, a few... A few weeks ago, we were sat in the office and John was showing me some photos of the mission to South Africa um, several years ago. Um, and as we were going through those pictures, I spotted someone I recognised. Um, it's my friend's husband. Um, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. How, wh where's that connection? And it turns out that um, our friend who's a missionary, who's married to someone out in South Africa, he leads the Message Trust South Africa, um, helps um, one of their projects is running the Gangster Cafe, helping... Um, young guys and girls caught up in gang culture um, find work. Um, and so it's just a really fun message to her. And she remembers Denzel. She remembers the Sutton group that went out. Um, and so it was just an amazing moment of seeing God bringing together different um, strands into one place. So here's a few things for you to think about. Um, as you go away, some things to pray into. One is, is the obvious one, closing the gap. Are you one of the 50 um, who can maybe give £50? Are you one of the 25 who maybe uh, you're, you've been waiting in the wings a little bit and actually it's, it's time to get stuck in on all fronts? And that's something you should prayerfully consider. That's something you should do as a place of conviction. We're, we're often led with conviction. When we, when we lead at the front, when we share what God has put in our hearts, it's from a place of burden in a sense of what the Lord is doing. And maybe that's something for you to pray about. And the other thing is, if you are able to help us uh, directly and indirectly. So directly is maybe you're serving on the ground or you're yet to serve on the ground. You're involved with helping us make church happen, but also you've got some time in midweek. There's some direct ways you can get stuck in with what we're already doing in terms of our outreach and our community action. Indirectly is actually commit to praying for the church. Commit to praying for uh, what we're doing here, how we're mobilizing, how we're reaching out. Uh, you might not be able to give some time to that midweek. You might be full on. Uh, time poor, I call it. Sometimes we feel a bit time poor, like what can I do? But actually I can, I can resource and I can pray and I can support and I can encourage and I can advocate. The other thing is, are you able to make one of our prayer meetings this week? Uh, on on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, we're joining together to begin praying into discovery, to praying into uncovering those things in your heart, what God is doing in your life, but also in how it will play into the bigger picture of serving our borough. On, on Friday, if you've got uh, a family uh, set up in terms of younger children that maybe can't make it out in the evening. From 4.30, we've got a prayer trail set up. And again, a part of what we want to do is help our, our young people and our children learn prayer skills for themselves that actually they can go on in this discovery journey as well. This isn't just for us. This is for the whole church, that we're multi-generational. There's no junior Holy Spirit for our kids. There's no junior Holy Spirit for our young people. It's the same Holy Spirit working in all of us. And then the other question is, will you... Uh, help us mobilize the church? Would you engage as a disciple? The phrase I often use is that we're not a costa, we're a community. And what I mean by that, there's other coffee shops available. What I mean by that is that, that we don't come to just receive, we don't come to just get, but actually we want to open the banquet hall of knowing Jesus. We want to open the banquet hall for the least, the lost, the near and the far off. We want to make a bigger table. And we don't want to just stabilize. We don't want to just close the gaps in our foundation. We want to build for the future. We want to learn how we can do that in a greater way. And as we take this time to discover and uncover things, we're going to be looking at the next 10 and 20 years of what it means to be the church. What if we were known for the church? 
where you could come get help no matter what. We, that might not mean we do everything, by the way. That actually we're one of many churches in the borough. What if we were known for the church where if you feel lost and overlooked in society, you'll find love and community in this place? What if we were known for the church where if you were doing well in life, that actually you still find a greater sense of purpose and community with these Jesus people that meet together on a Sunday? What if we were known for the church that influences our borough, that has a part to play in society, that has an impact in corridors of power, not because we're looking to be powerful, but because we're a community of believers that have something to bring to the table? What if that was the church that we built? What if it was the church of Libby's dreams? But not just Libby's dreams, but actually a dream that we all shared. And so our question is, would you take those things, would you pray about what action you can take and if you've been sat in the wings a little bit thinking, I don't know what the heart of the church is, you know, we've tried to lay that out over the past 12, 13 weeks. And you'll have heard at every end of the sermon that I've preached and that Libby's preached, we'll, we'll say things like, what if we were the church that did this? And we've tried to build that picture. This is what the church looks like. This is what could be. This is what should be. This is what we should be known for. And as we build that, God will bless us. We'll see the gates flung wide open. We'll see the banquet extended, the table extended. And I'd say get ready to share your faith with people. We already have a firm foundation. It's already pretty solid. Like There's an ignited faith in the room with people. There's an ignited devotion to Jesus. But other people need that. It's not just for us. The feast is for everybody else. We've got to bring them to the table. Let's be that church. Hey, I'm going to invite the band. We're going to spend a bit of time in worship together. If you're able, would you stand with me this morning? We want to begin with a submitting our hearts into the place of worship. And we say, Father, your hand is over the church. We thank you, Lord, that you transform our lives, that your love impacts us. But we know, God, that you came to seek and save the lost. And we have this great joy, this great peace, Lord. Would you help us with the hands and feet of the church? That from a deep place of intimacy and worship that we experience on the Sundays and our vibrancy of our small groups as we build up in the faith, that it's not to just keep being built up, but it's to share that. And Lord, may we be known for the church that brings people who are the least, the lost, the near and the far off to knowing Jesus, to having that encounter with Jesus. And as we worship, Lord, would you stir our hearts? Would you speak to us? Would you bless us? Would you minister to us? And may it overflow and impact the world around us in our small corner of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen.